dog. Sun's out, gun's out, bro. Sky's out, thighs out. That means squat. All right, so y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Y'all just have no idea. Y'all just, God. So I'm walking down the steps this week over here. And, you know, I'm on those, those crutches. And it, those things are an embarrassment, first of all. I feel like it's an, a, just an attraction when you're on uh, crutches. It's just an attraction to say you're weak. And so I just wanted y'all to know that. But I'm walking down the steps and some people are looking at me. And I miss, and I miss one of the steps. Yeah, I did. And so people are like, they, they stop. They don't, you know, they don't know what to do when they see a middle-aged dude about to take a face plant down the steps on crutches. I mean, nobody knows what to do. They just kind of froze. I almost fall. And then, you know, I'm, then in my heart, I'm breaking out in a sweat. I'm embarrassed. I'm like, John, you're a loser. Like, you can't even walk down the steps properly. And, and they looked at me. I'm like, are you okay? You okay? And I went, yes, I'm okay. I wish I would have fallen. And they said, why? I said, I'd have got a couple extra weeks off. But it didn't work out. So praise God for that. But then this week, it was interesting. The next day, I'm in my quiet time, and I read this verse in Proverbs uh, 24, 16. You might have read this a couple times before, but it was interesting to me. It says, for though the righteous fall seven times. For though the righteous fall seven times. What's it say next? Anybody? They rise again. I like, I like the, the last part. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. In other words, when things go wrong and Jesus isn't the anchor. You know what I'm saying? got nothing to hold on to. Uh, the New Living Translation, which is just kind of a paraphrase. I like it. The godly man, it says the godly may trip seven times. So I thought, yeah, that's me. That's me. I'm always going to trip. I'm always going to mess things up. But it says, but they will get up again. And then it hit me. Boom. I said, that's exactly, God, what I want to communicate this week. Though we might fall. We will rise again because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Lord was showing me, you know how our verse has been this whole year looking forward, specifically in Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 10, where it says about Abraham was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And since the word of the year, what's the word of the year, saints? Forward. Since that's the word of the year, I want to give you, this is on Facebook, by the way. You can go there at Summit Church. Facebook, the notes are there. But looking forward in Jesus means being convinced even when it seems unconvincing. If I had to put it into a tight phrase today, that's what I want to say today. Looking forward in Jesus means being convinced when it seems unconvincing. Because when it says in Proverbs 24, 16, that even though the righteous uh, the, for though the righteous fall, he didn't say might fall, he said it's possible they'll fall. He says the righteous are going to fall. The difference, there's a difference between falling down and staying, uh, y'all with me? There's a difference between falling down and staying down. So we're going to fall. There, there are going to be things we say, okay, Lord, I feel like you were leading me this way and, and that didn't work out. Maybe, Lord, I, I lost my cool with this. Or, or maybe, Lord, I, I went this direction and I was supposed to go the other direction. It's okay to miss God because he's big enough to catch us. But to not do anything, let me break to you this way. I love the summer months at Summit. 
You know why I love the summer months at Summit? Because it's Summit. This is who we are. You're the core of who we are. You're the backbone of who we are. You're the strength of who we are. I mean, I know it's Jesus. I get it. The Holy Spirit. I get it. All glory to him. I'm not like giving glory to you, but I do want to encourage you. This is who we are. But who we are has to move in such a way into Jesus Christ, into his presence, that we can't stay where we are. So it's interesting to me that it, it says, for the, uh, the righteous fall seven word in Hebrew there, to rise again, means to abide. Uh, it reminded me of John 15, 5, right? If you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In Christ in John 15, very, very important language. It means to be clear. Uh, it means to, to hold, to lift up. The idea, though, is though we rise again is because, listen, even though we're down, there's always somebody who can lift us up. If I go to the right person. And so my prayer today is that in looking forward, that we've got to be convinced, even though what's around us might seem unconvincing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Let's turn there and look at the Lord and then go to prayer and his word. Hebrews 11. I'm going to start with verse 8 and go to at least through 13. And so, and use this, and we're going to use this passage. Uh, this has been our passage, and then we're walking through the life of Abraham. And so, I specifically held off last week. I went to Genesis 24, and I held off on 23, because Genesis 23 is going to deal with Abraham burying his wife, Sarah. And so, I want us to look in this passage with this tight statement that looking forward in Jesus means being convinced even though it seems unconvincing. There's got to come a day in our life where we're convinced even when nothing around us shows or can convince us. Chapter 11, verse 8 in Hebrews. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And I want you to know something today. Let's make it very clear. Abraham never received fully the inheritance. He was in the place, but he didn't get the place because he was looking forward. Listen, in other words, God's going to show you and I things that we're going to press into, we're going to take our families to, we're going to take our friends to, we're going to take our loved ones to, we're going to take people around us we don't know. We're going to take them to that they're going to get what we don't. But somebody's got to be willing enough and strong enough to go through the gates of hell to reclaim what is rightfully God's so that even though we might not get it, somebody else will. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place. And I want you to know everybody in here has a calling. All you got to do is just look at your gifting. If you're flowing your gifting, it's like the keys when she came and prayed to me over here, who I absolutely love. She's from the Queen City in Charlotte. She's smart as a whip. She's got her master's in social work. Y'all pray for her because she deals with a lot of young children that are in problem, problem, problem situations. Very, very bad situations. Pray for her because uh, I, I just, I don't know if I could take the emotional trauma. But that's when, you know, she said something wise. She was praying over me, which she always is wise. But she prayed to me. She said, John, God, we know that you've got John in the right place because it's effortless. And it hit me. When she was praying to me, I said, that's, that's it. 
When you're flowing in the Lord, the reason why you see the power of Jesus in me is because you don't see me. It's because you don't, I don't have to see me because it's effortless. In other words, when I preach, it's all Him. I, I don't have to force anything. I just flow. Well, anyway. It's like when I go out to eat. Golden Corral. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. Remember, looking forward in Jesus means being convinced even though it seems unconvincing. He's in a place fully convinced even though around him it's unconvincing. God is going to call us. Everybody in this room, you're in a place right now. You're in a place that God, you say, I know it's right, but sometimes God, it just doesn't feel right. The external can't bring what the Spirit. Mm. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents. I mean, he just wasn't putting down roots, you know what I mean? With Isaac and Jacob heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer or architect and builder god by faith sarah received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised that's the key to faith oh i just want to jump ahead Therefore, from one man, him as good as dead, that is Abraham, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. And then look at this verse. See, this is why, Jesus, we have to be convinced, even though it seems unconvincing around us. We have to be convinced what God is saying to our hearts, even though we don't, might not have uh, the, uh, the things around us that, that would say that it's fully received. Verse 13, these all died in, what does it say, saints? I didn't hear you. What does it say? Hey, yeah, we're going to have faith. We're partly going to receive what through death we're fully going to get. Yeah, see, death Physical death brings us to the full amount of God's promise. Right now, we don't have the full amount of God. There will be weeping. There, there's sorrow in the night. Joy comes in the morning. Uh, there will be times of toughness and difficulty. There will be sickness. There will be pain. There will be relationships broken. There will be the dead that need to be buried and on and on and on. But through a physical death we will receive the absolute promise. Death ushers saints. Death becomes our servant. Not our master. These all died in faith not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Yes, I believe the Lord is challenging every one of us today to be convinced even though it seems unconvincing. To walk around fully convinced of what the Lord's, to look straight into the eyes of Christ and say, I will when no one else will. But having seen and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles 
on the earth. Sometimes being in God's calling makes you feel like a stranger. Right, where's my, where's my, where's my infuge people? Where are you? Yeah, yeah. See that group right there? I love that group. Some of them crazies from last year. And he's, where's Miriam? Where's Miriam? Where's Miriam? There you are. I didn't see. I'm sorry. The lights. Hey, uh, so uh, listen, can I just say, can I, I just want to say, see, I know what it's like. This passage is you. You're staying in the quadjects. I mean quads. Right? You're, you're living as resident aliens, but God has called you to do something and so into people. And listen, Jeremiah 8.20. Woo! Come on, Holy Spirit. Y'all don't even know. Listen, Jeremiah 8.20. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. This is what it means. There's a time from reaping for salvations. That is my prayer for you this summer. Man, that we don't go these next eight weeks where people are just not radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be praying for you and lifting you up. And we want to tell you from some, listen, the type of people we are, when we go out to eat, we go to Golden Corral, we go where three people throw fruit at each other, they have family feuds and start fighting, throwing ketchup balls. That's my type of people. People don't have any teeth in their head. Come on. Make you feel good about yourself. I mean, place you gotta leave, you gotta unbutton your pants. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Y'all go to highfalutin places downtown. Are we just in downtown? Take me to North Chuck, baby. Take me to North Chuck. Come on. Well, we're just on Upper King. Well, let me just tell you about Upper King. I'm on No King, but I got a good King in Jesus, and I know if I eat a lot, I'm gonna get there quicker. I believe I can fly. But see, you're a resident alien. You're on this campus, but you know, you're part of this campus, but this ain't your campus. You know what I'm saying? You're a resident alien. But by faith, you know what God has called you to do. This is you. This is us. This is who we are. And so my prayer is today that John would stop looking for the world to be for him what only Jesus can be for me. I will die in faith look at verse 13 these all died in faith you will die in faith you will not see the full ramifications of what god did with you this summer lord willing you'll not see it it's your job you'll not see maybe you know grandchildren you might not see your roommate in college you might not see the we will die in faith but i want to tell you something when you die in faith you know that something better is coming I'd rather die in faith than dying with a lot. Because death is the servant to lead me to Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I pray today that I don't come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit of power that people might not rest their faith in what was said, but rest on the power of the Holy Spirit. That people would see power, dunamis, that God is able Yes, he is able. That's what power means. And then Ephesians 3.20 becomes so relevant in our lives and so prevalent that he is able to 
immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. That is my prayer today, Lord. So I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would be thick upon us today, that you would open our ears, you would open our eyes, you would open our hearts, and that we would press in to you today. We love you and praise you, God. There is none like Jesus. There is no one like Jesus. And we worship the name of Jesus Christ. And let every man be a liar, but God be true. And we just want to tell you today how much we appreciate you and love you. And so, Lord, speak, Lord, your servants of listening. Thank you for giving us of our sins. We press into your kingdom. We love you and we glorify you. And all the saints said, what? Come on, amen and amen. So, looking forward in Jesus means being convinced, even though it seems what, saints? Here's your test. Looking forward in Jesus means being convinced, even though it seems unconvincing. Looking forward in Jesus means being convinced even when it seems unconvincing. Uh, I could put it another way. I could say looking forward in Jesus because of the gospel means being fully persuaded even though circumstances don't show it. Uh, I could say it another way, uh, looking forward because of Jesus means no matter what goes down, God will bring us up. I, I could say it, looking forward in Je- means trusting Jesus to re- resurrect us no matter what happens. Either way, I've got to be convinced even when it seems unconvincing. There's going to come a point in your life if you will reach out. See, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that you guys are, that you got a chance in your life to make a difference where you are, that you will stand up and say, I'd rather stand for Jesus than stand with the, whoever the cool club is. Because I want to tell you something. The cool club... All these people that look good now, y'all know what I'm talking about. I've said it a thousand times. They might look good now. Mm. Mm. You know, I'm just saying, you know, when people mature early, sometimes they get older early. Uh-huh. I know what I'm talking about. Lord, oh, I know, I know. Lord, if you just let me, let me date this girl in high school, please. And then I go to a reunion, and I thank God for unanswered prayers. God, do you see her? She need a, I bet she borrows her husband's razor. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying. And just like things, I don't know. It just, I'm like, Lord, I, I, you know, you look at somebody and you think, wow, there's nobody going to look like this person. And then in 20 years, you look at them and you go, wow, there was a, God had a plan and all this. I'm just saying, like, don't, like, Lord, I'm just saying, think about it this way. I'm being truthful. Like the older I get, the more I realize that the more I'll trust God, his plan is greater. Is I've got to be convinced. If I'm not convinced, then somebody who comes in my life who's convinced about something else, I'm going to go follow that. Right? You got to change make a difference we got a chance to make a difference but it's us as believers so how do we do this uh, how can i be convinced when does anybody ever have a time sometimes and their faith gets weak come on you ever just like god my faith is a little weak right now you know i i know i should believe but i just don't want to believe or i don't like believing or you know god why do bad things happen to good people so maybe i'm i'm just tired i'm walking I have to keep giving. Come on. Everybody else is always getting something. But I'm the one giving. In other words, what happens when I'm weak in my faith? The Lord showed me something. The Lord showed me something. He said, John, it's not about your faith, but it's who you have your faith in. Watch what I'm saying. All right, so let's say say that uh, I have a bad headache. 
have a terrible headache. And on this side is vitamin C. And on this side is ibuprofen. All right, let's, make, let's get real. Oxycodone. Oxycontin. Percocet. So on this side is vitamin C. On this side is a strong pain reliever. Now, let me break it down. This is where most Christians, where the rubber hits the road and they struggle with Jesus. They think for one moment that it's the, they think it's the size of their faith that makes it right. In fact, the world thinks this. The world says, well, how do I know that Christianity is greater than Islam? I mean, we're, we don't see Christians, uh, well, they, they've got it all wrong, but they'll say, we don't see Christians, you know, flying into towers. I mean, obviously they had, they had a lot of faith, but I would, re I would reject them and, and, and counter, counter it and reframe it. I'll say, no, I don't see Christians flying into towers, but I do see them falling to their knees and bowing their head to the sword for Jesus. But let me just put it this way. It's not about the size of John's faith at any moment that makes my walk with Jesus Christ powerful, but it's who I have my faith in. So I have a headache. And let's say I have a headache and I say, wow, would I take C to get rid of the headache or would I take ibuprofen? You be the doctor. Tell me which one. Come on, saints. Okay, three people. What would you take? Vitamin C or ibuprofen? Tell me, which one? Ibuprofen. All right, so if ibuprofen is the answer, then it doesn't matter if I believe a little ibuprofen is going to be the, take care of it or a lot. It's the medicine that's going to take care of it whether I believe this much or this much. And you've got the other side. No, I just believe vitamin C is going to do it. I, I believe with all my heart and all my soul and on my mind, and on my little kitties, that vitamin C is going to take. It doesn't matter how much I believe when it don't work. That's why we put our faith in the one who does the work. It is finished. So it, you don't have to have a lot of faith because Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be ye removed. My point is, it's not the size of faith, but what I have my faith in that makes the difference. Because what I have my faith in is what does the work. It's the ibuprofen that does the work, not my faith. It's, doesn't matter how much I believe vitamin C is going to take away a headache, it's not going to take away a headache. What takes away the headache is the medicine. And the medicine that we need is Jesus. So, looking forward in Jesus means being convinced, even though it seems what, saints? Unconvincing. So this is what happened. This is what it means. So how am I, how, how am I to be convinced when my faith seems to weaken? Here's why. The first thing, it means is this being convinced, even though it seems unconvincing, starts with Jesus. I mean, literally, it's this simple. What we do is we just go back to the one who can fix it all. Just go to Jesus. The moment you feel weak, the moment you feel ugly, the moment you feel dismayed, the moment you feel betrayed, just go to Jesus and say, there's one who'll never leave me. There's one who'll never forsake me. And I mean, the more time we can spend with Jesus, the more we begin to act like him and think like him and talk like him. It's not the strength of my faith but the strength of what I'm putting my faith in. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20 says this. We have this hope. I love this. 
we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. Enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. He's talking about the temple and the high priest that gets to go behind. Where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. In other words, it's, it's not how much I believe Jesus, but the question is, do I believe Jesus? Because there will be days, I promise you, let's just get real, there's going to be days that our faith wavers. Days that we, days that we look at this, and God, what's, what's happening? I don't fully understand. The moment I begin to waver, go to the one who will never waver. And hold on to, the Bible says, better to fall on the rock and be broken than the rock fall on you. So that's the first thing. What's the second thing I can do? The second thing, being convinced, even though it seems unconvincing, means staying in the promise. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. This is where I want to get in Genesis 23, just a little bit. Stay in the promise. Stay in the promise. I don't care if you're single, stay in the promise. I don't care if you're married and it's bad, stay in the promise. I don't care if your child has gone crazy, stay in the promise. If you don't know what the future is, stay in the promise. If you're sick, stay in the promise. I don't care what happens. I know that God is calling us to stay in the promise. Hebrews 11, verse 9. By faith, by faith, Abraham, that is he, is Abraham, went to live, what's the next thing say, saints? In the land of promise. Notice that when Abraham got the word from God, his obedience led him to live in promise. You're here this summer because you believe that what you're going to do it's going to make an eternal difference for the kingdom of god it's living in the land of the promise got to get in the promise before we'll ever see the result Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. talking to myself just talking to myself by faith he went in to live in the land of the promise you know what that word in means in greek you know the new testament written in greek words, but you know what it means? Union. It means union. He was in union with the promise. He was connected to the promise. The Bible says, in this world, you will have any takers? Trouble. But here's the promise. Jesus said, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In other words, if there's no overcoming in your life, then there's no Jesus in your life. There is, you got, you got to live in the promise. Living in the promise, listen, living in the promise for me means, John, if God's called you to preach, then live in the promise. If you preach to one, listen, if one person shows up, uh, uh, Marcus, uh, you've already shared this, the first time that you preached, how many people showed up? How many? What did your wife tell you to do? So Marcus, right, you got radically saved, transformed, felt called to preach. You go out there, you preach. Nobody, right, right, you, didn't you rent a facility? Am I right about this? Am I making this stuff up? Come on, tell the truth. Shut me down. You make, you rent a place. You invite all these people, right? How many showed up? 
So what did Marcus do? Did he just cut bait, say that's it? Jesus cursed you. Liar. What did he do? He preached a sermon that God had given to a bunch of empty chairs. Now let me ask you this. How many times have you preached since then? Listen, let's be honest. The man can preach. Your wife is a better preacher, in my opinion, but no, I'm not trying to shout you down. I'm just saying, you know, you out kicked your punt coverage. Come on, preach, talk to me. You're going to get me going and do a lap now. I'm going to need a new hip on the other side. My point being is that he didn't stop. He was convinced, even though it seemed. That's what looking forward means. We want the promises of Jesus, but we're not willing to step in the promise of Jesus. We can't receive a promise until we step in. Listen, if he is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, then we got to get into places where we can't imagine it. I couldn't imagine being a preacher. It's not, it's not what I thought would ever happen to a dumb old football coach. I, I never thought that God would have me even back here preaching. I never, I never dreamed. And, but what I'm saying is, is that when God makes a promise, i got to get in it to receive it. i got to get in I can't just look to Jesus. i got to walk with Jesus. There's got to be a time in your life where you just say, God, you got to hold my hand because i got no other hand left. And we're reaching out to friends all the time. And maybe, maybe, maybe we should reach to Jesus first before we reach to somebody else first. I mean, see, my wife can't be Jesus for me. Uh, she, she can't do it. And, and when I superimpose Jesus on her is when I become the most frustrated with her because I'm asking her to be something she can't be or do something she can't do. I, I, I've got to get to the promise. So here we go in verse 9. By faith, he went to live in. He made a union with the promise. He got into the land of promise. God is calling us today to get into the land of promise as in a what land, saints? It's going to seem strange. It's not natural. If you, listen, if you feel good in your flesh about following the Spirit, then we got a problem. Because Jeremy Pollock preached last Sunday night, and it was excellent, about Revelation. I challenge you to come on Sunday nights there in the Whitfield because he's taking all these hard questions that you get to write in and all this stuff, and you get to ask him tough questions. I get to sit back and just say, wow, I don't, I don't have to do it. This is great. You know, he takes all the tough stuff. And so, but my point is, he made a very good point. He goes, he goes our flesh and spirit can't coexist. The Bible says they wage war. So if, I, if I'm in a place where my flesh feels good, then I might not be in the place that's stretching me for Jesus. God, it's going to come if you really want to follow. I'm not talking salvation here. I'm talking about following. I'm talking about experiencing the blessings of it is to walk in Christ. He's going to put us outside of ourselves. That's what it is to find. Living in the land of promise. Hey, stand up in your house and say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't care. Listen, if my wife and kids go crazy, I'm still got to stand. Somebody's got to take a stand. So it's unconvincing. Maybe, maybe you live in a home where everybody else is like, Jesus is weird and you seem weird because you're following Jesus. 
but I just want to say this to you. As long as Jesus doesn't think you're weird, it really doesn't matter what other voice, what they say. Because you can be convinced even though it seems unconvincing. That's what looking forward means. That's what it means to be in that. It means to be in that hope. Uh, so he's in union. He went. Look what it goes there. He says, he, he went, he went, notice that word, went, sojourned. He went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in what, saints? Yeah, see, I'm not saying that when you get into the land of promise that you're going to fulfill or feel the full effects of the promise. Uh, what I mean by this is it's like marriage. Uh, if I can use it, because God uses marriage in Ephesians 5 to talk about our, our covenant, really, relationship uh, with God is like a marriage covenant. Listen, I should not feel the full of... Mm, this is good. God, help me in my little weak mind to communicate this. The Holy Spirit's just speaking so fast. Sometimes it's hard to keep up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? On my wedding day, when I'm standing there with Lynette, and I say I do, and I did say I do, I should not feel the full effect of the promise that day. It should get sweeter with time. As my marriage goes on and on and on as the Lord gives us breath, and Jesus tarries, my, my, I should be fulfilling or feeling more of the promise as our marriage goes on. I shouldn't have the whole fulfillment that, that day. And that's what's going to happen. We are going to be in places where it doesn't feel like home. And you, sometimes you can't put down roots. But what's interesting, God's going to call us sometimes. You just have to live in the land of promise. But then this is where it gets good. Go to Genesis 23. So keep your finger there or, or your phone, whatever you got. Genesis 23. So we go back there. It's something, this, this chapter, I just can't get a release from it. Genesis 23. God, help me to answer this because we're getting ready to wind this, this sermon out. I want to nail it, Lord. I want to nail it. So Sarah, about 90, gives birth to Isaac. She's a mom for 37 years and she's going to die. This is a low moment. Maybe. 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 Hebrews 11 tells us that he was looking forward to a city with foundations. See, when you have foundations, you don't have to worry about it falling. Y'all didn't hear what I said. You, you, when you, you're looking forward to, to Jesus, you don't have to worry about somebody else dying because there'll be a day when you can be in a relationship that you don't have to worry about losing that relationship. You don't have to worry about that they'll be gone one day or that something might bad might happen or, or you might turn them, them off in some way and they run away. You don't have to, because it has foundations in Christ. And when you're in Christ, you don't lose things. Genesis 23, look at this, this is powerful. Sarah lived 127 years, this is verse one. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So she was a mom for 37 years, roughly. And Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, or the land of promise. See, you can look where you are and say, wow, the land of Canaan, bunch of crazies. Or you can look at it, this is where God called me, land of promise. It's, it's, your, it's your choice. God gives you free. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep. Now, when I'm saying, hear me, I'm not saying that a death, we shouldn't mourn and we shouldn't weep. Uh, Jesus wept, uh, right? The shortest verse in the Bible, you just memorized a verse in the Bible. If you've never memorized one, you just did. In John chapter 11, 
There you go. Boom. Shakalaka. You're there. That was for you. And so uh, my, my, my point is, is that it, there's, going to be, there's going to be some mourning and there's going to be weeping, but I'm convinced in the midst of unconvincing. I'm in the midst. I'm convinced. Even though there's a death, I'm not convinced that I will never see. Um, uh, I, I am convinced that I will see them again, not convinced that I won't see them again. Here we go. And so he weeps for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites. Now, these are the people that God is going to bring judgment against. I'm a sojourner and foreigner among you. Sounds like Hebrews 11, doesn't it? Give me what, saints? I didn't hear you. Uh, uh, one more time. Give me what? Now, isn't that interesting? Look what it says among you for a burying place, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my Lord. You are prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land. And he said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat me uh, for me, Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, it is at the end of this field. Now watch this. Here's the key. For the what, saints? Yeah, full price. Give it to me in your presence as property for a bearing place. Now check this out. This is so mind-blowing to me. Abraham, watch this. Never bought a piece of property until somebody died. He never, y'all ain't hearing me. He never bought a piece of property until somebody died. Because when you buy a piece of property, you are putting down what? I didn't hear you. You're putting down what? Yeah. When a death happens, dig in. He bought property. He said, I am, this is where we will last be remembered in the promise. I might be living in the land of promise, and as long as I'm alive, I'm fluid to, to go wherever he wants me to go. But when I die, I will die where God, okay, let me just break it down for you. So I am from Salisbury, North Carolina, and my mother bought burial plots. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So she bought these burial plots, right? Because she wants everybody to be all together. And then, you know, you know how it is that some of these uh, uh, funeral homes, they, instead of just burying you, you know, here, they can be each other. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They stack you, right? They got those walls, and they can put you on a wall. My, my twin sister, she, she doesn't want, now listen, don't take this thing personally. Don't, don't get cray cray. This ain't Burger King, have it your way. I'm just kidding. But my, my sister always tell me, John, don't put me on the wall. Don't put me on the wall playing around, right? And, and, and so, um, but I mean, they can stack it. But here's what I want to tell you. I don't want to be buried in Salisbury, North Carolina. 
unless God called me to Salisbury, North Carolina. Y'all tracking? I don't, I'm not buried where I'm from. I'm going to be buried in a place that God called me to. Y'all hearing me? Because where I die in the place that God calls me, even in my death, I want the gospel proclaimed. I want the people to hear in the land that I felt like I, I am not from Charleston, don't have any relatives in Charleston. In fact, never even been to Charleston. When my wife got attacked by two guys up at Temple, and we said, you know what, we kind of want out of here. I, mean, I was getting kind of tired of the city life. I was getting tired of, you know, uh, living out of an airplane this and doing this and being at people's will and all this other stuff. I said, you know, I had this job opportunity down here and I come down here. I don't even know Charleston Southern. Never heard of Charleston Southern. Didn't even know it exists. Didn't even know Charleston exists. But I want to tell you, it's in the place of Charleston that God called me to be a pastor. And if this is where he wants me, this is where I and I will dig roots. Are you willing to dig roots? He, he bought the property. He bought. The first time we see Abraham buying property is after someone died. By the way, he paid full price. Even though it was his inheritance. He was still being a blessing. Even, look what the Lord, the reason the Lord showed me something, the Holy Spirit showed me, that even in the promise there's a cost. Y'all hear me? People, people, look, you know what you want? You want Jesus. All right, come over and take my life. Now give me the hottest girl. Give me the hottest guy. Give me the biggest job, the best finances. I want you to know that following Christ, sometimes you'll pay the greatest cost. It's going to cost you to follow Jesus. Oh, it's easy to receive Christ because it's, it's our hearts convinced by the work of the Holy Spirit. We're just like, man, yeah, I'm wrecked. Like, I'm going to trade this Yugo for this Porsche. Yeah, I'm in. Right? My life's a Yugo, but Jesus is a Porsche. I, I'm in. Right? I, I, it's a, but it's a call to die. It's a call to give. It's not like when I tithe, I give God 10%. No, God has all 100%. He just allows me to keep 90. It, it's, a, it's a reframing of what I think. The money's not mine, and I give him some. All of it's his, and then I get some. And it's a different frame. So here's the cost. So here's what it is. He provides full payment. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. So this is where I want to bust this thing in and land it. This is where I want to, I want to get into this. Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. I, I mean, uh, Abraham's going to die. Sarah's going to die. Isaac's going to die. Uh, Jacob is, is going to die, but he's going to say, you know, what are they going to do? But he says, hey man, take my bones back. Take my bones back. He's prophesying even in Egypt. He prophesies, this is not my home. This is not my home because I'm down here with you, Joseph. And I'm not, and you know, and there would have been a famine and that's how we got down here. Hey, you're going to take my bones back because, you know, you know Abraham, uh, my, you know, my grandfather, he told us that this was our land, that this is our promise. So you see, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Yes, I don't feel, when I go to Salisbury, North Carolina, I feel more at home in Salisbury sometimes than I do in Charleston. But Salisbury is where I grew up, but Charleston is my home. It's my land of promise. 
But I won't see the fruition. I will die and not see the full effect. You will leave, Lord willing, that in the summer you will not see the full effect. But you will one day. 1 Corinthians 13, now we know in part, then we shall know fully as we're fully known, right? When we're in the presence of God, you will know fully. You will see everything and every life that you were touched, you touched by Jesus, every life in the full effect of that. And that will bring you such the greatest joy that you cannot help it. Then turn, reflect the Lord even more. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Watch this, verse 15. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, Saul's prayer to Chelsea. They would have had an opportunity to return. You know why people return? Because they're not willing to stay in the land of promise. People live, leave relationships because they're not willing to stay in the land of promise. People are not willing to sacrifice because they're not willing to stay in the land of promise. It just gets too hard and too tough. And it will. But staying in the, in the land of promise is more important. Verse 15, if they had been thinking out of the land, of that land which they had gone out, they would have opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Let's pause for a moment. I never want God to be ashamed. Matthew 7. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. But God, didn't I cast out demons in your name? Uh, didn't I prophesy in your name like preaching and stuff? Uh, didn't I lay hands on people and people get healed? I mean, didn't those things happen? Hey, listen, there will be death, there will be pain, there will be sorrow, but this is what I want you to know. There is a promise, and I'm fully convinced, because Jesus is the fulfillment of every promise. If God has promised us something in Scripture, Jesus is the fulfillment of those promises. You say, but John, if he's the fulfillment, why is there pain? And here's where we're going to land. Here's where we're just going to land the plane today. Let's just get so real. Oh, this is so good. Go to Romans chapter 8. And as we land it, Romans chapter 8. Living in the land of promise. If Jesus has fulfilled, he's the uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 20. He's the yes and amen of every promise. If that's the case, then why, why am I struggling, John? Why? Romans 8, 23. When you get there or turn there on your phone or you're there, say amen. All right, here we go. And not only the creation. Paul's talking about not only the creation, not only the world, not only the the trees, all the other stuff. He says, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit living within us, and he's saying we were the first fruits of getting the Spirit permanently within us. Watch this. What's the next two words after the word Spirit? What is it? Y'all tell me. I want you to know something, and I want to free you up. John Piper even talks about this. If you're groaning inside, you're okay. That's part of being a Christian. There's going to be something 
runs for, something that you're going to long for. There's something you, hey, John, how can I be fully convinced even though it seems unconvincing, even though there's pain, even though there's been hurt, even though there's been a sorrow, whatever might have just happened, how can I be fully convinced? I want you to know it's okay to have a groaning because we live in the already, but not yet. It's okay to have a groaning. Jesus, I love what he says. Jesus purchased the promise, but we don't have the full consummation of it yet. So if all the promises are yes, John, why is there still a groan? Look what it says. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. This drives us, as Piper would say, to two words, seek and desire. Seek and desire. It is my prayer today that your groaning doesn't turn you away from God, but he drives you to God. Do you have a groan today inside you? It might be for these campers. I don't know what it is. It, it might be for a future marriage. I don't know what it is. It might be for where you are and you don't know where you're going. It's, it's, if there's not a groaning inside you, then maybe we should check the salvation in you. There's going to be a groan. You're a resident alien. You live in tents. You sojourn. You put roots down in your calling. And when death should free you to leave your calling, when the enemy wants to lie and say, see, someone just died, God is no good, you put roots in the promise. Though it cost you all you have, you put it in Christ. You deny yourself. You take up your You follow him. There is a groan. It is okay to groan. It means you're right with God in the groan. What is in your heart today that you're groaning about? Let's just get real for the Lord. If this summer gets past us and we're not in the name, I love holding my Bible. Why? Because I feel like there's just authority in it. If we're not leading people to Jesus, what I mean is we don't know who the Spirit's going to save, right? Yeah, but what we can do is cast seeds like crazy. We can water like crazy. And we can beg the Lord. The field is white with harvest, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Raise them up, God. People up who will live in the land of promise. What is your groan? Is it, a, is it your child? Is it your roommate? Is it where you are? Is there hurt? Is there an emptiness? What's your groan? Is it for someone who doesn't? What's your groan? Summer is the most precious time in the Lord because it's a way for us to sow a lot of seeds. The harvest has passed, the summer's ended, and we are not saved. What a scary place to be. It's not for us to take off and relax and chill. It's time for us to stand up in the And if something happens and there's something taken away and there's a sorrow and pain like, like, Abraham with his wife, he put roots full price in the land of his promise. Put everything you have in Jesus. Take your groaning to him. Father, in the name of Jesus, it is my prayer today for everybody in this room. And I don't know what our groan is. It could be a burden. It could be a passion. I don't know what our groan is right now. But Lord, I pray. If there's some people in here, the most precious time we have at Summit is this time. Right now, we just kind of come and we get on our faces in front of you and we just say, God, here's my groan. Here's my groan, Lord. Here's my groan. Here's my groaning, Lord.
Your word says in Isaiah 55, 6 through 7. This is my prayer. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Well, who in here has a groan, Lord? Let him come to you right now. Who in here has a groan and a longing? Let them come to you now. God, we pray for people to come to know you. We pray for our families to know you. We pray for the ministries, the land of promise that you've given us. Lord, we want to put roots in that. We want to take ownership in that. We want to dive into that. We have a groan today that there are people and places that need Jesus. They need the peace of God and we have our feet covered in the peace of the gospel. So we bring peace though their lives may have no peace at our jobs we bring peace. What is the groan of our heart today? God we come to you. Seek the Lord he may be found. Call on him while he is near. We call on you Lord. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on them and to our God, for He will freely pardon. So Lord, if there's someone in here who has never surrendered, a call to die, Lord, not some head knowledge of, yeah, I believe Jesus and yeah, He's going to take care of me. I'm talking about I'll surrender all. And come to Jesus. Because if He's not Lord over all, He's not Lord at all. Lord, I just pray You'd wreck somebody's heart. They'd be willing to just call upon You now. Of course, when they call, they're already saved. It's just out of the mouth the heart speaks. Language. Jesus, I believe You died on the cross for my sins. God, You raised Him from the dead on the third day and I call upon you. I pray that's their groaning of their heart and I want to turn and find I don't even know what all this language means but I just know that I need you over what's going on right now. And Lord, I pray they'll let us know. But Lord, for the saints in this room, whatever their groaning is, let's just get real in front of you, Lord. I pray for all those campers coming I pray for all those sweet kind sacrificing leaders mission huge I pray for all these families and friends that are represented today I pray for these sweet people of the Lord this beautiful church Lord your bride we got groans Lord we got groans I'm not satisfied where I'm at Lord and I know that I'll never be satisfied until I get in your presence. But God, I pray, the field is white with harvest, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Lord, would you raise up some people in this place and say, I will work in the harvest. I'm tired of just sitting. It's time to start living in the promise. Here's my groaning, Lord, to you. It's my prayer. Wreck us, Lord. In Jesus' name.